0: Okay you guys, here we go. She runs Ultras episode 40, The Big 40. And as promised, this one is all about the Barkley Fall Classic. Now, if you're new to the BFC, if you've never heard of the Barkley, I want to encourage you to go and check out a documentary on YouTube called The Barkley Marathons, The Race That Eats Its Young. It will help to set up everything that I'm talking about here. It will help to really like paint the picture and give you, you know, a full understanding of the location and the race and the logistics and all of the stuff. So make sure you go check that out over on YouTube. So in this episode, what I thought I would do is just kind of start out by giving you kind of an overview of the race, a little bit of the history, and then dive into some of the questions that I got from all of you guys over on Instagram, kind of about logistics, the course, the race, the gear, and all of this stuff. Like, how are you going to tackle this thing? So first and foremost, like I said this race is a version of the Barkley Marathon. So it's held in the same place, but there are a few differences that I'll get to in a second. But the whole race, the Barkleys and the BFC came about when the race director and some of his friends were kind of discussing this prison break from Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary, which is adjacent to frozen head state park and it is no longer in existence the prison has been shut down but it was infamous back in the day you should definitely go check it out there are a lot of stories and a lot of history there but essentially james earl ray escaped from this prison and after i think it was like just about 54 hours on the run He had only made it eight miles when he was captured. And so the race director and his friends, they were convinced that they could go farther during that time frame. And they set out to create a race just like that. And the Barkley Marathons was born. Um, So the BFC is a version of that. And it maintains some of the same kind of mystique and allure, but it's a little more controlled. So in the Big Barkley, you do loops of a course that is not marked and you have a map and you have to do it with GP- um, w- without GPS. You have to map it, right? Uh, you have to use a compass. And in the BFC, we have a map there is a course, but <laughs> it's not really marked like a traditional course. And the Barkley Marathons, those loops are advertised as 20 miles. But if you read race reports or talk to people who have done this race before, they would tell you that it's definitely more like 25 or 30 miles per lap versus the 20. So Details and information is a little loose, (laughs) a little loose around the Barclays and the BFC. So you're kind of signing up for a bit of the unknown. So some other points that are important about the BFC, like I mentioned, the race course is unknown distance and unknown elevation. Okay. The course changes every year. And unlike the big Barclay, you get a map and you have a set start time. But I will say that the course map is pretty loose. <laughs> it's kind of it's typically uh, printed on a piece of fabric that so that you can carry it with you. But it doesn't have a lot of detail. Let's just say that. And a lot of times you don't even know the course until the day before at packet pickup, or in the case of the 2020 race, the day of the race, like the morning that you got there at o' dark thirty, they handed you the map. So The terrain is very similar to what you will see in that documentary. Um, Unlike the Barclays, there are actual aid stations, but it's really just basic aid only, like water and maybe a couple snacks. It's not the traditional ultra aid station that you might be used to at some of these other races across the country. The other thing I should say is there aren't really a ton of course markings, so you'll have the map, and uh, if you follow it, you should have no problems, but don't be expecting a lot of turn-by-turn on-course directions. The other thing that is key to this race is that you're not allowed to wear GPS of any kind, so you're not allowed to wear a watch with GPS actively running you're not allowed to run Strava or Garmin or whatever. Um, and if you choose to violate this rule, I can I can tell you that there are consequences. So for anybody out there thinking that like maybe you could circumvent this, I I witnessed it in 2019. I won't tell you how they know, but they know. Okay, the GPS police are out there when it comes to the BFC. So you can wear a watch like an analog watch or like an old, the only thing I can, the only example I can come up with is like, I have an old Ironman Timex brand watch, right? No GPS technology at all. You can wear that, um, but you can't wear like your Garmin or your Koro's or whatever and just simply turn off the GPS functionality. They do not They don't allow that. So I guess like going back a little bit here, I threw my name into the lottery all the way back in 2018 with a few other friends for the BFC, never actually thinking that I would get in. I I legitimately (laughs) did not think that I would get in. So I was shocked when, I feel like it was maybe two weeks, three weeks later when I got an email and a few of my other friends also got the same email saying that we were in. And I can honestly say without a doubt that this is one of the toughest races that I have ever done. Frozen Head is known for its extreme weather conditions, especially if you watch the documentary, you will see the flip or the switch. Now, I should mention that a Big Barkley takes place earlier in the year, in the springtime, and BFC is obviously happening in September, so the weather isn't the same, but the flip of the switch is very similar. Like it could rain at the drop of a hat. The temperature could rise or fall. It's very unpredictable. And there's a lot of wildlife. (laughs) In particular, one kind that I don't like, and that is snakes. Now, I'm definitely not a fan. And the last time around, I didn't see any snakes. And I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I don't plan to see any this time either. (laughs) <laughs> I've heard reports people around me were seeing them, like people that I know were just a few minutes ahead of me or a few minutes behind me. But luckily, I did not have any wildlife encounters, knock on wood. So, you might be wondering kind of what is my game plan? What's my strategy for this race? Since you don't know how high you have to climb, how low you have to descend, how many actual miles you have to go, how many miles between aid stations. It's all kind of a crapshoot. And I'll let you in on my top secret strategy for this race. Are you ready? Probably should insert a drum roll here. My top secret strategy is to run, to run my ass off. That is the plan. (laughs) The time cutoffs are kind of hardcore at this race. And in order to make it to where you need to be on time, in order to continue, you have to run anything and everything. And I mean, everything that you can. So (laughs) I'm sure you guys were hoping for like a bigger, more involved, race strategy, but that's what I'm going with. And I'm choosing not to wear a watch at all. I didn't do it last time. And by not wearing the watch, I really think that it helped me just to focus on what I needed to do, my super secret strategy just to run Um, it helped me to do that as much and as hard as I could because I was not focused on, oh, what time is it now? What about now? What about now? What about now? Like it, it just, it allowed me to just pay attention to what's going around me mostly so I don't get lost (laughs) because there are definite times when you're going to be with people and there'll be times when you're not with people. And if you're relying on others to navigate for you, that's a big problem. And if you're constantly paying attention to your watch from a time perspective, that's also a problem. So I'm going to run sans watch as hard and as long and as fast as I can. Okay. (laughs) And as far as strategy goes, like that to me is the best way forward, because when you don't know the course, It's really tough to strategize or break it down into segments. Like, I mean, I'm definitely going to just run from aid station to aid station, but I'm also really just going to pay attention to uh, what's in front of me right now right there's going to be ups there's going to be downs i can guarantee you there's going to be crawling uh there's likely to be water there's definitely sections where i'm going to be sliding on my butt um so really the objective is tackle whatever is in front of you and then move on to the next thing as quickly and efficiently as you can and forget whatever you just did <laughs> like whether it like some of it might be traumatizing and you just have to forget it and move on so that's why my plan is just to run. All right, let's talk a little bit about race logistics and specifically what I'm wearing and what gear I'm using. So the question of what you're going to wear to the BFC is an interesting one because you have to assume that anything you wear is just going to get totally trashed. And that's not an exaggeration. Um, between the rocks and the roots and the pricker bushes and just everything that you're going to encounter, you're going to want to choose your clothing wisely. Uh, Last time around, I wore three quarter length leggings, compression tights that I had gotten at Target, I think like a week before because I didn't want to trash any of my quote unquote good running stuff. And I can't say that that was the best decision because I really had never run with them before. And they had some seams on the insides and the outsides of the legs that were uncomfortable, but I was so busy focusing on my strategy of just running that they didn't really bother me all that much. But I'm glad that I chose those versus my other clothes because they did get trashed and I didn't want that to happen with my other stuff. So this time around, I am i think I'm going to wear just this short sleeve tech tee that I got from Target, uh, one that I've been running in for a while. It's lightly colored, so to help with any of the sun that's going to be there, you know, just the heat. I'm going to wear compression shorts, I think, versus the three-quarter length leggings. Now, That's a risky decision given the course and all the things that I mentioned between the rocks and the shale and the pricker bushes and all that stuff, but I think I'm willing to sacrifice it because I'm concerned about the heat and trying to stay cool and even just having that extra little bit of fabric on my legs, I think retained a lot of heat for me and I'm willing to put up with some some injuries and some blood in order to not overheat. So I'll also wear either a hat or a visor because the course is typically really exposed and hot. So I know I overheat pretty quickly and having the ability to keep sun off my face is really going to help. And as far as shoes goes, of course, I'm going to wear my ultras and my darn tough socks with ample amounts of trail toes. (laughs) Um, as far as gear goes, I'm going to have my Ultimate Direction Adventure Vesta. And I have two versions of this. I have the older version, like the peachy pink kind of version and the newer version, the black and teal one. And for this race, I'm going to wear the old one because I don't want to trash the new one. (laughs) Pretty simple decision, but it has a two liter bladder capacity. So I can carry tons of water. So let's actually kind of dive into what my pack is going to involve. So I mentioned that there are aid stations on this course, but typically they're very basic water. I don't even think they had any sort of hydration mix. Gosh, I really don't remember. It's all a blur. (laughs) <laughs> um, and they might have some snacks, but I definitely wouldn't count on it. And if they're snacks, they're gonna be like snacks that Laz, the race director Laz, thinks are gonna be funny. I've, I have a distinct memory of there being copious amounts of Oreos the last time around. And some people ate them, some people didn't. I did not partake in the Oreos. But uh if you're lucky actually you might get ice but who knows i wouldn't i wouldn't count on it so for, for i'm telling you all of this to say that like you really need to be self sufficient so i'm going to carry 2 liters of fluid to start with uh it'll be tailwind and i'm going to have extra packs of tailwind for refilling at the aid stations because my previous experience was that this is a hot race and as we've talked about in previous episodes, I don't fare well in the heat, although I did have some good heat training. And so to just stay on top of my hydration and my electrolytes, I'm going to really be pumping the Tailwind. I'll also have a bunch of foods. So I like the scratch gummies, the chews, I like Go Macro bars, and I'll have some other solid foods like PB&J and, you know, cut up into squares and maybe a, tr- a bag of trail mix, but in all likelihood, I probably won't have the ability to dig into my pack and eat a lot of this stuff. So I'm going to have it just in case, but it needs to be readily accessible. I can't be spending time taking off my pack, you know, reaching in the back, trying to grab stuff. So it has to kind of be all upfront, uh, in those pockets on my pack. I mentioned that I'm going to have a hat or a visor, but I'm not going to wear any sunglasses. I wore them the last time around, and they were just more of a pain in the ass than anything else. So I'm not going to do it this year, which is tough for me because I always wear sunglasses, but it's just too much of a mess. I don't, I don't want to bother with them this time around. I'm going to have a buff and a cooling towel. So this is something that I used at Ragged, and it's like a long thin towel that is infused with silver. So it's this kind of cool technology where you get it wet and the towel actually gets cool. And I'm going to use that for, you know, any times when I might be in this open or exposed area, I'm going to try and get it wet at the aid stations and keep it at the ready for when I might need it. I'll also have extra socks, extra trail toes, that foot lubricant, and a headlamp and batteries in my pack. Now, you are allowed a drop bag at decision point, which is a checkpoint that's pretty deep into the race. So like I mentioned, you have to be really self-sufficient for the majority of the race. And um, in case I don't get to that point and I need a headlamp or in case I do get to that point and for some reason my drop bag doesn't make it there you in years past you have been required to have a headlamp and extra batteries in order to go on to finish the race so I'm kind of game planning for worst case scenario like my drop bag doesn't make it there for some reason and I want to have everything that I need in order to go forwards so in that drop bag, I'll probably put an extra pair of shoes and socks, my poles, uh, a wet washcloth or baby wipes to maybe try to get some of the dirt and the silt off of me. Any other kind of random food that I might want deep into the race, maybe something along the lines of that PB&J. I think last time around I did put PB&J and a banana in there. The banana was mangled, um, but I still ate part of it. And this time around, I'm actually going to go for try to put a frozen bottle of water in there, just because I anticipate that that might be something that I would really enjoy having. Side note, the last time I got to decision point back in 2019, there was a whole group of people there sitting on the ground with their drop bags, pulling out stuff. And it was kind of like a buffet because everybody had something different. I remember hearing like people had watermelon slices. um, Somebody had Red Bull. I mean, like it was just like a, a smorgasbord. There were tons of different stuff. I didn't partake in any of it because that's not stuff that I usually train with, but you could tell people were just so excited to have those things in their drop bag. So thinking forwards... I'm going to try to come up with a couple other things that I probably would be really excited to see when I get to that drop bag. Um, I mentioned headlamp and extra batteries and I'm sure that I'm forgetting something else in there but you know it's kind of the, the same basic stuff that you would always put into a drop bag. So as far as training goes... You might be thinking, well, you don't know how long this race is. You don't know how far up you have to go. You don't know how far down you have to go. Um, So how are you going to train for this thing? (laughs) And I would agree. It is tough, but not impossible. So back in 2019, when I did this race, I was also training for the Ragged 75, which we've talked about a lot on this show, which has a lot of elevation change. And that takes place actually the month before BFC. So that lined up really nicely for BFC training. This time around, I didn't do ragged. And I'll admit that I'm not 100% happy with how my training has been going as of late. And as a result, I'm not as confident going into BFC this year as I would like to be. It pains me to say that because I always want to show up to a race feeling as confident as possible, but just, that's just the way it is. It's just, it's just how I'm feeling right now as I'm heading into that into the last, you know, two weeks of my taper right before I, we hop in the car to drive down there. Now I think it's normal when you're doing a race like this, or, you know, any race for that matter, whether it's your first ultra, your farthest ultra, or in maybe this case, your hardest ultra from a time elevation perspective, I think it's normal to have some thoughts and doubts kind of like this, right? Kind of like I'm expressing. Maybe it falls more into line with, have I done enough training? Have I done the right training? Should I have done something different? How do I know if I'm going to succeed or finish or make it there, et cetera, et cetera, right? Like we could go on for a long time. And all of these things are thoughts that I've had over the last few months. And I've felt really good at times and totally shitty at others. So this is completely in line with the highs and the lows of training that you have to come to expect and Learn to ride out. And honestly, the best advice that I can give in this situation is to keep working your training plan. Don't give up at the first sign of doubt that kind of pops into your brain. Just keep going back and working that training plan and show up consistently and put forth your best effort. Don't half ass it because somewhere in the back of your mind, you're already looking for a way out. And learn to ride the wave. And by this, I mean to manage your mind and the emotions that come with ultra training. So something that I had the last time for this race that I didn't really have this time around is urgency and I guess really like fear of failure. So two things, two things that I had the last time around when I was training that I didn't really experience or have this time around. So urgency in the sense of, I only have a finite amount of time to train for this, so I'd better make it good. This year has kind of been a lot for me, like personally and professionally, and I've let that affect my training to a certain degree. So as I sit here now, kind of thinking back on what I've done, I'm happy with my efforts, but some part of me knows that I could have done more. And... Like I could have been better with my scheduling. I could have been better with my time management, my effort, my nutrition. I mean, all of it. Like I I could seriously sit here and kind of go back and do a debrief and pull up times and places and instances where I know I could have done better. And I don't think you're ever going to get to a place where all of your training is 100%, 100% spot on, but you want to feel good going into it. And I do, I don't mean to like make this a Debbie Downer, but you know, I have some doubts, but the trick for me now is not to sit around and kind of wallow in those doubts and regrets. And I should haves, and let my thoughts take over. So for me, What I'm really focusing on is taking charge uh, and showing up and making the best decisions that I can right up to the time that Laz lights his cigarette at the starting line and I just do the work. So even if it's, you know, now we're within a two week window, even now I'm still showing up to my workouts. I'm still doing all of my strength and my core and my mobility stuff even now. And I think it's common that we, we go a little, I'm going to use the term crazy in air quotes, crazy during your taper. It's almost like stir crazy is really the term I should be using. And we go off the rails and we do things wildly different or we stop doing things at all because we're not really sure how to handle these last couple of weeks. And one of the best things that I have learned to do over the years is just stick to the plan keep showing up and keep doing the work. Don't deviate. Don't think that you just have this wildly amazing, good idea for something that you're going to test out within the two week window leading up to your race. Like I can almost guarantee you it's a horrible idea. Don't do it. (laughs) Don't deviate from the plan. And then the other thing that I had was that fear of failure. And that was a huge driver for me during the last training cycle way back in 2019. And I used that as my fuel to do all of the hard runs, all of the workouts. There was that fear of failure, fear of the unknown of all things BFC. And this time around... I haven't had that same fire, partly because I've done the race and I know what to expect. So I don't necessarily have to fear it anymore. That's not to say that I won't be nervous when I show up on race day. I probably will. Um, Or whenever I get to see the course map, whenever that time comes. But I don't fear the race in the same way. And part of me is upset about that because it was such a fantastic fuel source that if I ever felt like, not doing something, all I had to do was just tap into that fear and it was an instant jolt of lightning. And it's not so much this time around and that's okay. It's just made things a little more challenging for me. So I've really had to kind of like dig deep for what I've done in training thus far. Now, my motto for this race (laughs) has always been, From the very beginning, back in 2019, when I first started, and this kind of goes back to that urgency and that fear of failure, my motto has always been, I didn't come this far not to finish. So (laughs) that's basically what I'm going to be repeating to myself throughout the race. I didn't come this far not to finish, so focus and run. That's like the full thing that I'll be telling myself. (laughs) So if you're wondering (laughs) how my race is going, because... You know, in the past, I usually try to do social media updates for the races that I'm in. Um, That's not possible for this, basically because the time cutoffs are so strict, the terrain, there's legitimately no cell service, and I really just have to focus on my super involved race strategy to just run as much and as hard as I can. So I'll kind of update you guys like before the race and after the race, and in the meantime... If you find yourself wondering, hey, it's Saturday. I wonder how Megan's doing at the BFC. You just have to remember that I'm going to be running my little butt off and I'm going to be saying to myself, I didn't come this far not to finish. So focus and run. It's actually probably going to be so focus and just fucking run. <laughs> if you want the real <laughs> the real version. <laughs> All right, you guys, that's all for this episode. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that for some of you, if you're like me, hearing about the BFC has piqued your interest in all of this craziness. So if that's you, go check out the documentary that I mentioned at the beginning. And if you're still interested after watching that, then go throw your name into the lottery and see if you come up a winner for 2022. And if you do then definitely let me know because then we can dish all things BFC offline. As I mentioned before, we're turning this race into a road trip. So I'll be away for the next couple of Fridays, but not to worry. I have banked a few episodes of the podcast so that you can still get your She Runs Ultras fix while we're gone. Now, before you go, I want to ask you one quick question. What does your pre-run warm-up look like? I'm only asking because I've been posting my pre run warm ups, AKA my shakedowns, in my Instagram stories, and a bunch of you have reached out with questions like, Oh, I don't know. Like, do you have set stretches that you do or is it just kind of flow movements that feel good? What's the difference between this, what I'm sharing and the stuff that my track or running coach has me doing? Um, people have asked how long should this sort of thing take or how often should you do this, et cetera, et cetera. I think you get the point. So Based on all of those questions, I decided that I'm going to do a special workshop all about shakedowns when I get back from vacation. So I'll answer all of those questions. We'll do a shakedown together live in real time, and then I'll actually teach you the key elements every shakedown should have and help you design your own shakedown based on your body. If you haven't already, head over to www.megan-gould.com forward slash shakedown drop your email address in there and I'll make sure that you're the first to know when registration for that workshop opens up. And I'll also send you a link to a shakedown that you can begin practicing in the meantime. So again, go to my website, megan-gould.com forward slash shakedown. And I'll actually put this link into the show notes too. And you know, this little thing, This addition of a daily shakedown to my training routine has made a huge difference in not only my running, but my kind of overall quality of life. So I'm really excited that you guys are seeing these, that you're asking questions about them. And I'm excited that I'm going to get to share it with you in this workshop. So go sign up. Get that link, start practicing your shakedown, and then do what I do. Film yourself, share it on social media, and then tag me so that I can see how it's going. All right, you guys, enjoy this beat, and I'll see you all soon.